Welcome to the It Doesn't Hold Up podcast. We review and reevaluate all things remember fondly from our childhood and years prior to see if they still hold up. And more often than not, they probably don't. I'm Stuart Shepherd, along with my good friend Michael Smith and co-host. Smith, how the devil are you? I'm very well, thank you, Stuart. How are you? I, sir, am smoking. No, no, you see, no, I wasn't going to do it. No, Sorry. I, I'm not. S- Sorry. I'm not. Sorry. I to, yeah, yeah, no. So stop. Stop that. Stop yep. that. So, yeah. It wasn't yeah. funny then. Not funny now, is it? No, no. And I stole your quip. It's normally you doing shit like that. So I am sorry. I apologize to our viewers and our listeners worldwide. (laughs) Somebody had to stop you. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Well, before we get on to said nomination, just want to talk a little bit about last episode, which was Willow. Now, I don't know what feedback you got, Smith, but I got two pieces. And one is directly related to the movie and the other one isn't. The first was, oh, my God, that pig scene is horrific. I forgot all about that. (laughs) And we've traumatized a bunch of people. Feedback that you gave yourself staring in the mirror does not count. It was <laughs> horrible, Smith. It was horrible. <laughs> uh, no, a few people did ping me going, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. It was horrible. Mm. Uh, and the other bit you'll find interesting. So, friend of the show, Ilzy, who's listening, when you were giving your oh, hello, scene Ilzy. setting. Hello, Ilzy. When you were giving your scene setting and you spoke about the Lockerbie bombing, he contacted me and said, there's actually a really good documentary about that on Sky. I was like, oh, no way. So... <laughs> I downloaded it and watched it. Look, so, you know, I always, pick the, I always pick the light topics to cover in my trivia, um, in my scene setting, sorry. I always pick the light, the light, light things that happen during the year. <laughs> Indeed, yes. And uh, yeah, there's a documentary on this light topic, as Smith said, uh, on Sky. So download it. It's a four-part documentary, and it's very good. Oh, very good. Well, I'm going to start this podcast off and go and watch a documentary about the Lockerbie bombing. Yeah, we'll just do a live stream of it. Why not? Uh, oh you don't say (laughs) anyway anyway did you get any feedback or was it pretty much the gist um well the big piece of feedback i've got was that people um remembered it very fondly Mm. and um did not care for me insulting the film (laughs) yeah i got death threats before we watched it do not ruin this like you ruined santa claus for me um and when my 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 piece of general defense being yes but warrior davis can't act they were like, yes, you can, but no one was able to convincingly argue that point. They kind of it had that sad resignation of someone who knows I'm right, but is feebly trying to beat me. It's pointless. Resistance is futile. <laughs> In the face of my juggernaut of an opinion. <laughs> Indeed. But yes, at the end of the episode last time, you nominated the mask. So mm. yes. Nice. <laughs> Didn't I you? I got a pre pre piece of feedback from one from one of the listeners on uh, ahead of this was I'm not really watching that. <laughs> <laughs> oh really they've already decided it doesn't hold up yeah they've said yeah they decided they don't like it they're not rewatching it so come on right. fine be like that then no i will then <laughs> but yes this is the mask from 1994 so a brief synopsis is a down on his luck bank clerk stanley Ipkiss uh comes into contact with a magical mask and puts it on and it transforms him into a superhero known as the mask so he literally goes from zero to hero so yeah <laughs> Oh, it's already started. Okay. It's already started. It's already started. Yeah. As mentioned, it came out in 1994. Uh, we have covered a 1994 before with uh, Street Fire, but uh, this came out slightly before Street Fire, I believe. So, yeah, I have got this wrong, Smith. I had this in my mind. This came out in September 1994. Turns out it came mm. out August 1994. So it was a summer blockbuster. So I remember in this UK, completely in the wrong. UK. Yeah, it came out in July, I believe, in the USA, and it came out in August in the UK. But I distinctly remember going to see it in September for my 10th birthday. So I'm either remember it completely wrong, or it was just on at the cinema a lot longer than it probably should be. 
Perhaps it was because it was such a smash hit. Who knows? Well, yeah, I mean, it probably was on for, for what? I mean, if it came out late August, you're probably talking four weeks. Yeah, so it's possible. It's, but... it's yeah. Yeah, and I, I think I think you're overthinking that a little bit. I think it's more than... I wouldn't have seen it. Well, I may have seen it at the cinema, but it wouldn't have been for my birthday. Yeah. Unless it was on for a very long time, which it wouldn't have been. No. Um, I remember seeing it in the cinema. I do. Um, but I might be wrong about that. I might have got it for v- on VHS. I definitely had it on VHS. I know I got it that Christmas, but probably not. Maybe the Christmas after. Who knows? Mm. Now, so this strikes me as a film you would have gone to see at the cinema because, like every kid our age, you would have seen an advert for it on the telly. Go, oh my god, that was great! I want to go see that. No, so, I almost certainly did. I almost certainly did. Yeah, yeah. I just can't remember it. Yeah. I definitely saw it at cinema, and then the minute it was available to rent uh, from Blockbuster Video, I rented it out. And I remember over the course of the three days you were allowed to have a video from Blockbuster Video, I watched it about <laughs> ten times. And then whenever it was on Sky, I watched it again and again and again. Never actually recorded it like a cheap ass off of Sky and kept it, but I did just keep watching it over and over again. But <laughs> I had it on actual VHS. Did you? I very vividly remember having it. It was one of those films that I watched again and again and again yeah. and again and again. <laughs> yeah, I actually know this film backwards. When I came back to rewatch it, so I had to buy it for, a, as I'm showing it now, as a right price of £1.89 from eBay. Oh, you were robbed, mate. My, my copy's in the other room. I took a little jaunt down to our local CEX, my little, my little haunt. <laughs> I had to go and spend, when I get home from the shopping, and Hannah says, um, you've been gone a suspiciously long time. I didn't buy Blu-rays. <laughs> I can hear the rattling. <laughs> um, I got it for pound fifty. And mine was a 10-year special edition with extra yeah. features. Yeah, mine's got extra features, but not so many. But yeah, it's got a few. But yes, I, I genuinely not watched this movie probably for about maybe 20 years, 15, 20 years. But as I watched it, every single scene and line of dialogue came back to me. I was like, Jesus, how many times have I seen this film to know it backwards? But there you buries go. It, buries it right in your head, doesn't it? It really does. But yeah, no, I revisited this a couple of days ago. And uh, yeah, I guess... Should we just delve into the plot, or do you have any other... Oh, no, we haven't done our scene setting, have we? What are we talking I haven't about? done our scene setting. I haven't done our scene setting. Extra... I'm so a... sorry. I Please. wasted valuable time <laughs> at work today that I am paid to do to research weirder, strange things that happened in 1994 that maybe that I didn't cover last time. Or hope the boss now, I, don't, I don't remember what I covered last time. So I can tell you. I think it was mainly because it was Street Fighter. You were talking about like genetic engineering and cloning and, and whatever oh, yes. else. There well, you go. Um, and maybe just for my own career preservation, may I add that I did this on my lunch break. I uh, <laughs> delved into, I delved into um, the, the, the wonderful world of weird for this one because okay. it's the mask, because it's a weird, weird film. I um, lo- looked at the headlines that were, were, were populated in 1994 from our good friends at the Weekly World News. Now, if you're not familiar with the Weekly World News, the Weekly World News was a newspaper in America and over here which published stories around aliens and cryptozoological creatures so i will tell you what was in the headlines for 1994 oh please weekly world news so in in uh, early 1994 hillary clinton was pregnant with her baby due in april of that year um later on uh uh that year um hillary clinton adopted an alien baby because obviously hers didn't appear 12 u.s senators also space aliens according to the headline from the weekly world news um america's destiny is being shaped by entities who aren't even human says expert that's on the front cover of the weekly world news there um elvis presley told his daughter lisa marie to uh, divorce michael jackson uh, to quote the 59 year old was speaking for the first time since his funeral in 1977 <laughs> uh, to tell his daughter not to, to continue marrying um famous 
uh, child fancier, Michael Jackson. <laughs> um, apparently, Jackie Kennedy's grave was healing the sick. Um, it, it's similar to Lord's. Uh, Bigfoot kept a lumberjack as a love slave. Uh, didn't say for how long or whether or not um, it was consensual, uh, but <laughs> he eventually obviously let him go so he could go to the newspapers. And um, in a little bit of good news from the year, from 1994, from our good friends at the Weekly World News, um, heaven was photographed by the Hubble telescope. So there you go. God and heaven definitely exist. Fantastic. But so do so, so, so does the devil as an earthquake in California called actual demons to emerge onto the streets and he- hell itself to be to be revealed so uh, it was a big year yeah i'll say um i mean genetic engineering be damned we've got heaven you know what um, i think i, I didn't know you now. could see i didn't see no you could see a gay nightclub from london through the double telescope yeah. but i'm really going heaven. with that at first but yeah okay. <laughs> actual heaven's going there no <laughs> i i think every episode now you should give your scene setting for the weekly world news it's it's far more interesting what actually happened <laughs> I mean, I want to oh. know what Elvis has to say now. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Mm. Right then. Okay. <laughs> now we've had our wacky thing set in from 1994. Shall we delve yes. into the plot? Yeah, let's delve into the plot, let's. <laughs> right then. So, New Line Cinema. Forgot this was New Line Cinema. So, everything we... from the early 90s was New Line Cinema. Indeed. That, that opening sort of ident of New Line is burnt yep. into my brain because of all of the videos I had when I was a kid that were from yep. New Line Cinema. Absolutely. So A24, you know, but from the 90s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, all right, Stu. It's like A24 from the 90s. They're just churning out film after film after film at the moment. Yeah, just but they're churning out good films. <laughs> true, true. Anyway, so we get a shot of Edge City. Now, this is interesting. This is done of... Go on, what are you going to say? No, nothing. No, no, you put your finger up. Like, do you want to speak? Well, I was going to say, I always thought it was set in New York. Yes. I don't remember it being set in Edge City. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> well, it looks suspiciously like New York, like just like Gotham looks suspiciously like New York, but no, it's yeah. set in Edge City. But there is a deleted scene, which is an alternative extended opening, where Vikings are burying the mask uh, yeah. in the sand and then get off and sail away, and then you cut to Edge City, which is kind of like Riverside. So, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there you go. But yeah, Edge City is a polluted, crime-ridden dump. And then suddenly we cut to scuba divers under the water. Now, I never understood, were they like laying pipes down there or were they looking for the mask or did they just stumble across it? It was never clear to me life. why they were down there. Their sex there. life is their sex life, Stu. <laughs> why? This isn't a hollow man, man. Why are you lowering the tone? This is a children's <laughs> film. I mean, it starts as all best film, children's films do with someone dying a horrible, painful death. Yeah, I felt well Being sorry for this bloke. Pipe. Yeah, I don't know whether it was his own greed that caused them to die. It was an unfortunate accident. But yeah, I'm going to assume they were just workmen and they were just installing pipes down there. But anyway, this scuba diver sees a box that's all, you know, wrapped up in chains. And as he opens it, as Smith said, a big pipe crushes him to death, which causes the mask to float to the uh, top of the sea. And then we get a big title card of the mask. <laughs> so there we go. Yeah. Uh, immediately, we cut to the bank and we meet Stanley Itkiss, the hero of the story. And this bit really pissed me off. He's being manipulated by some right cow to give his concert tickets to her and his mate. I'm like, she knew he couldn't get a third ticket. She knew. Uh, because he's such a doormat, though, she gives it. he gives her and her mate the extra ticket. No, the tickets. So, yeah. No date for Stanley. Uh, then, then we meet Charlie, who says he is a doormat, 
And yep, quite right, he is. And then Charlie, being the massive pervert that he is, invites oh, cliched, Stanley. Cliched pervy 90s movie friend who's just like, oh, are the ladies? Like, how is he popular with ladies? He is an unattractive little man. Yeah, quite obnoxious as well. But uh, yeah, he tells Charlie, uh, sorry, he tells Stanley what a doormat he is and says, yep, come to the Coco Bongo and like, there's going to be like loads of women and stuff, uh, whatever, at the creme of the creme go there. Whatever. I just wrote down Coco Bongo Club at this point, And every time they say that, I was like, you couldn't do better than Coco Bongo. It's an actual club. I've been there. It's in Cancun, in Mexico. <laughs> and it came before this film. So this, oh, wow. So yeah. they just nicked. Oh, so it's, it's not yeah. only is it a terrible cringeworthy name for a club, it's also copyright infringement. Yep. Well, now the Coco Bongo Club in Cancun has the statue of the mask outside. So they must have thought, hello, we can make some money out of that. So there you go. Uh, then we cut to Cameron Diaz arriving, Tina Carlisle, and she's there to open a bank account. And yeah, it's all 90s slow-mo. They're those two leering at her and all that. And she's shaking her I mean, eggs. It's been raining I said, outside. I said to, I, said, I wrote my note to her, I said, his mate is a scummy bastard, but to be fair, so is the director. Yeah. Although it's Chuck like, Russell and he's directed loads of films that I love. He directed The Blob, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, something else I can't remember. <laughs> the Blob <laughs> again. <laughs> <laughs> he directed uh, The Scorpion King though. So the, there was an interesting point of this. Oh yeah, he did. There's an interesting point of this where, um, all of this slow-mo and leering is, you know, you're meant to be leering at her because she's there to film the bank. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, a bit of a twist. Um, so you're meant to be leering. It's meant to be that she's distracting everybody. It's meant to be that. So you, yeah. can, you could argue that it's not pervy, but I think it's both. <laughs> I think, it's, I think both. it's like, oh yeah, no, it's artistic choice. Yeah, to show her duplicitousness and how that she would capture the male gaze. Um, but you know, very slowly going to go up her top here. <laughs> Absolutely. And then, as she's getting ready to like sit down or whatever, Charlie takes her scarf and proceeds to smell it. <laughs> oh, it's a dirty old Scumbag. man. Like the state of him. I'm state of your mate. <laughs> I'd love that if she just turned around and went, "What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Would you just smell sniffing, my scarf?" Sniffing me. You weirdo. Oh. I mean, I'd say that Jim Carrey is probably like the most 90s man ever with his big suit and his shit tie and his floppy hair. Yeah. And his, just his mannerisms. It's like, it's a, it's a very specific 90s type of comedy where you can see with this and Matthew Perry and Friends. Yeah. It's yeah. very similar. Agreed. Agreed. But yeah, Tina is there to open a bank account because she's affiliated with the Coco Bongo Club. And as Smith said, she is secretly filming the bank. Uh, In a very camera. subtle camera bag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a big circle on here. It's like your bag's making noises. No, no. <laughs> You're making noises. Shut up. <laughs> I mean, she's absolutely fascinated by his tie for some reason. So I'm like, what are you doing here? Are you kind of attracted to Jim Carrey? Are you just trying to fool him so you can film him? Like, what the hell's going on here? But yeah. Both. A bit of flag. <laughs> both, both, both. And then we see the footage from the other side because her boyfriend, Dorian Tyrell, who was a bum rapist from Pulp Fiction, he is... <laughs> he is... I mean, the character's called Zed, Stu, but... Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. Zed's dead. <laughs> anyway, so we meet Dorian Tyrell and his gang, and they are in an office in the Coco Bongo Club. Now, they are planning to rob the said bank that's being filmed that Stanley Ipkiss works in, and which goes right down, smoking. There is lots of smoking. <laughs> There's lots, this of film, there's lots Everyone's of smoking. Everyone's just... And you know what? You know what smoking is, Stu? It's cool. <laughs> All the cool kids are smoking, so, you know. Yeah, yeah. Kind of made me want to go buy a pack of cigarettes after that. But anyway. Uh, so, yeah. So, Dorian's talking about their mafia boss, Nico, and... 
they're all like, oh yeah, fuck this guy. We're going to take over this town. Ha 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 ha. I was like, first we're going to rob this bank. I was like, presumably you're not going to tell Nico about this. He uses his cigarette to burn eyes in this lovely eight by ten he has of Nico. <laughs> Why does he have that? He's like, oh, he signed it for you. <laughs> Love your boss. <laughs> Love Nico. <laughs> funny. Uh, yeah, and then we get a shot of uh, Stanley. He's going to the mechanics to get his car back. There's an absolute couple of cowboys who run this, and they trick him into getting a lot more work done than his car that he absolutely needs to do. So we've, oh, had, so we've had cliched pervy 90s, mate. We've now had cliched crooked mechanics. Oh, whatever, whatever's coming next. Oh, we're in for a treat. And also, I noticed in this scene, like, that looks like the ghost station from uh, the fire station from Ghostbusters. And then when I look back, I went, oh, that is, that is the same place where they oh, filmed it. So that's probably another reason why you yeah. thought it might have been New York, because there's just a lot of set pieces that are in New York films. New York or Chicago, where Justin stands in for New York or Toronto. There you go. Uh, yeah, so Stanley realises, oh, hang on, if there's still work to be done on my car, I don't have a car. And they say, bring him the loner. The loner? The loner, <laughs> and it turns out the loner is an absolute horrible bang and piece of shit car, which he arrives to with a Coco Bongo Club and rather embarrasses himself with it. Um, what happens next? Yeah, then we meet Charlie in the worst course, wearing... jacket I have ever seen. He's oh, wearing the most horrible piece of clothing anyone has ever worn. Yeah, and this is supposed to be like a classy club, isn't it? It's not like a, a nightclub as we know it. It's like a jazz sort of bar with like nice cocktails and things like that. And he's wearing the most poxiest suit you can ever imagine. <laughs> Um, yeah, and he's standing there with some girls in the queue. Don't know where he's picked these girls up from or whatever. <laughs> Phone box. Maybe. And then Charlie decides, oh, that's it. I don't want to wait. So he calls over one of the bouncers to be like, oh, yeah, let us in. Now, I never quite understood this. Was it because Stanley turned around and wasn't paying attention? And that's why he didn't get in at the same time? Or was it always like this bouncer was only going to let Charlie and the two tarts in? That's what I, I think it's good. <laughs> I think it's because he wasn't paying attention. Right, okay. But yeah, Stanley's like, oh, hang on a minute. And then Charlie doesn't bother checking where Stanley's gone. He's just oh, no. for the girls. Arsehole. A terrible friend. <laughs> terrible friend works. <laughs> terrible, terrible friend. Uh, but then Stanley crosses the rope because he wants to get inside. And then Dorian, who's standing on the on the door as well, he just orders him, yeah, just get rid of him. <laughs> Pick up Stanley. I just throw him into the road. <laughs> that would have easily broke a couple of ribs. It looks so fucking painful what they do to him. <laughs> Oh, you cross the rope. You never cross the rope. So subsequently, I never cross ropes when I've been to bars and clubs with a rope. There we go. Um, then what happens? Yeah, then Stanley splash, uh, stands up and he's splashed by a car because, again, 90 stereotype of an absolute loser. Uh, and at this point, Tina has arrived at the club because we learn that she's affiliated with the club and she's a singer there. Uh, then she has a really awkward exchange with Stanley. And that's when the loner turns back up. Now, again, this didn't make sense to me either. Who alerted the, the valet driver to bring the car back immediately? <laughs> doesn't make Look, a, good valet, a good valet doesn't need to be alerted. A good valet just knows. <laughs> they just know, oh, he's been thrown out oh, yeah. of the car back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then Stanley gets in his shitty car and he's really, really embarrassed and drives off. And then the car actually breaks down on the bridge. Uh, then Stanley kicks it, it all falls to pieces. And then we see Stanley looking out to the river. Now, I mean, down thought... on the old abandoned bridge. <laughs> yeah. Hello. It's, it's a wonderful film, life. Got these... Yeah. It's in all the in all films, like well not all films, but in lots of films you end up having this old abandoned bridge that's just in the middle of the night and there's nobody's there because nobody's driving around in the middle of the night in these well, films. 
but is it the middle of the night? Because what time were they going to the Coco Bongo Club? I'm assuming, what, nine, ten o'clock, maybe? <laughs> and then suddenly it's one in the morning. Like, how far away is the Coco Bongo Club? <laughs> they prove you get old, mate. <laughs> oh, it's a, you know, you got nine, ten, a sensible time. <laughs> but it's a school night because they have work the next day. So I'm like, why are they going <laughs> to this, this jazz bar at one in the morning or whatever? I don't know. Anyway, so, yeah, Stanley's all like, oh, fuck my life, whatever. Looks down at the river and he looks, he sees what he thinks is a man drowning in the river or drowned in the river so yeah, why did he think it was a dead body it looked nothing like a dead body it looked like a pile of trash in the river i guess it's because that mask is covered in a paper or, or a bag, plastic bag it kind of looks like a head but nah, it doesn't really to be honest no it doesn't it looks like a bunch of shit in the river yeah but it stupidly stanley jumps into the river realizes it's not a dead body but he does retrieve the mask Ooh. and take this man- i've written down oh i think i might take this manky old mask home with me that i found in a river and also, when he's in the river, why does he start to go put it on then? He'd be like, oh, go home and give that a good wash, and then perhaps yeah. I'll put it on. Yeah. And even then, he's been in a river. Ugh. But yeah, he goes to put it on, and then suddenly some cops arrive, like, you, 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 what are you doing down there? He's like, oh, I'm just looking for my mask. I found it. I was like, I think you'd be arrested <laughs> if you're swimming around in a river for no reason. You're definitely getting arrested. Or at least sectioned. <laughs> at least sectioned. Um... Yeah, now, apparently there was a scene cut out. Next, when Stanley presumably walks home because the car's all fallen to pieces, he gets robbed by a gang and they take his mm. watch. Mm. So the next bit, when he gets back into his apartment and that horrible cow, uh, Mrs. Peen and the landlady, starts shouting at him. She asks, do you know what time it is? That's why he says, actually, no, I don't know what time it is because he's had his watch nicked. Like, mm-hmm. And then comes full circle a little bit that. later. I kind of vaguely remember that scene but I'm not sure where from because it's not trailer. it's not on the delete it's, it was on the trailer it's in the trailer there's a bit I think where ah. the gang surround him and the way it's edited then you see the mask see the gang later on so, ah. but yeah it's one of those classic things where you see an early trailer and none of the scenes make it into the final film yeah there you go um, yeah so Mrs. Peenan's giving him shit because he's trodden a load of wet water Cliché. into the house horrible <laughs> But also, why didn't he just take his shoes off when he got in? Just take your shoes off. I mean, and to be fair, downstairs or carry as, them. As, as a man approaching forty, I um, fully uh, understand the landlady's ire at him for yeah. walking shitty water all over the floor. A brand new carpet, and he's just ruined it. And yeah, he's trodden a load of water in. Uh, but instead of standing up to her, he doesn't, and he just goes inside his his flat. Uh, and then we meet Milo the dog. Yeah, <laughs> Milo the dog. It's one of the best things in this film. I love Milo. It's a very good. He's a very good dog actor. Oh my god, yes, Milo. I was so um, impressed. Like, how are you getting him to do what he does in this film? It's amazing. I would have put at this point. I wrote down. I think he's probably a bad dog owner as well because he's obviously been to work. And then he's coming home late. He hasn't walked the dog. Mm-hmm. He's not taking the dog out now. Dog's in the flat all day. I don't think the dog's seen the outside world in years. No, it probably hasn't he doesn't walk him in the morning either. He gets up and goes to work. It's like, right, well, just walk your dog, mate. <laughs> well, maybe, well, the window's always open, so maybe the dog's found a way to just jump out and just, you know, so, walk by himself. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, use the toilet outside, find some food. Yeah, that seems that seems safe and fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, when Stanley gets home, for some reason he just puts a cartoon on. I'm like, why? why? Yeah, I wrote down, I think, he might be, I think he might be single for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. But, I mean, I get watching cartoons, right? I mean, you know. Uh, one in the morning. Sims. We watch Simpsons, but I'm like, yeah, you know what I really want? And I'll text Avery. Uh, 2 a.m. I fancy watching some like, unfunny children's cartoons from the 1940s. Which are very leery. This yeah. whole film is very leery. It is. It was it's very, very leery. leery. Very, very. It's, it's very uncomfortable at points, this film. Agreed. 
But yeah, he's watching cartoons and then suddenly Mrs. Peenan starts shouting through the wall to turn it off. Again, she's got a valid reason. It's like one o'clock in the morning and he's sodding about with his telly up loud. So she tells him to turn it off. Well, he turns then... the cartoons off, but he keeps his telly on. <laughs> yeah. And then, would you believe it, just so happens to switch onto a program where Dr. Arthur Newman is talking about the masks we wear. He's written a book about masks as in, you know, psychiatry rather than actual physical masks. But then, yeah. So that will come back later. So just happened very, very conveniently. I've just obtained a mask that I found, and there's a bloke on telly talking about masks. There you go. Hmm. <laughs> so at this point, that's when he picks up the mask and uh, sort of playfully puts it on, and it sucks onto his face. Like, well, what's all this? Like, Why are you going to try and do it again? Yeah. You just had that? a really weird uh. encounter with it. Why are you going to try it again? Now, I've seen an awful lot of horror films, and I don't think this can go anything but well. <laughs> <laughs> but I will try again. It's like touching the kettle when you've already burnt your hand, touching it a second time. <laughs> but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no. Yeah, but no, he puts it on and then we get a whole whirlwind of him turning around. Now I'll say the special effects are good at this. Like, oh, the special me, effects really do hold up. Really yeah. do hold up. And... When he's transforming, it all looks really good and stuff. So yeah, I'll have to give that. But again, yeah, I think Chuck I think... Russell, because the Blob special effects are really good. No, yep. Elm Street 3 special effects are really good. And I think you can get you, you get a little bit of um you get a little bit of that body horror stuff here as yep. well. With with the master with the first master transformation when it's sucking onto his face, you get that sort of mm-hmm. body horror thing that Chuck Russell does so well. Yep. Absolutely. Uh but yep, he turns into the mask and it's party time. P A R T Y because I got her. And I think is he wearing a smoking suit, I think, at this point. He hasn't he's not wearing the yellow yeah. suit, he's just wearing like a smoking jacket. I mean, but I've got I've written down here smoking P A R T Y but his shtick has aged very badly. This, these for me, these first scenes where he was the mask were kind of anus puckeringly cringeworthy. I just ah, oh. I was like nine year old me, ten year old me loved this film. Thirty eight, ah uh, ah, uh, hold it. <laughs> we'll keep talking. Let's keep talking. Finds it deeply irritating. <laughs> I didn't mind it. I don't. I like the fact he breaks the full wall when he talks to the camera or that sort of stuff. So anyway, I just he... I just find his like mugging like oh. <laughs> okay, but, I mean, we'll talk about this later. Did you find him irritating as Ace Ventura? I have not watched Ace Ventura in a long time. So, this is why he comes back to me. Like, Jim Carrey was, when I was sort of round about this year, like, my favourite actor. Mm-hmm. Ace Ventura and The Mask, two of my favourite films. I watched Ace Ventura more than I watched this. Mm-hmm. I have not gone back to rewatch Ace Ventura recently. I yes. We have vowed not to cover it on this podcast for reasons. To, for various yes. reasons. Um, I might watch the second one. Yeah, the second one's funny. I the second one. Uh, yeah, I but again, like I'm now much older. <laughs> mm. Well, my point, the reason why I asked you is because I think Jim Carrey gets away with mugging and being annoying because the mask is an annoying character. He's an irritating superhero. When he's Ace Ventura, he's just an annoying bloke. So that's how I think. Yeah. So people find Jim, like my wife absolutely hates Jim Carrey, right? But she agreed to me. He's like, it works with the mask because he's an annoying character. I wonder if the if the mask, and this is why I just kind of wrote down when I was thinking about this, is whether or not the mask being like cool is the idea of cool seen through the eyes of a non-cool person. Yeah, maybe. So, like, so he's cool as, as what he would perceive to be cool, but what he perceives to be cool is a mad grown man who watches cartoons at one o'clock in the morning. Perhaps. Well, yeah, because the whole point of the mask, it brings you in the most desires yeah. to life right so yeah yeah you could be right there so but... you 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 know you mugging around being like wah, wah, uh, uh, is like oh that's cool is that not cool it's fucking annoying stop it well <laughs> i didn't mind it anyway but also i forgot to mention this at the top of the episode um the comic books would 
deeply, deeply different to this. Like very oh, yeah, dark yeah. in no, tone. No, no, mask went around yeah. killing everyone. Very violent, Many people yeah. wore the mask. It wasn't just Stanley Ipkiss. I'm like, so oh, Stanley right, Ipkiss died at the end of the first comic. Yeah, and I think Kellaway takes over or something yeah, like that. Yeah, Kellaway. Yeah. So a lot of the characters that are in this are in the comics. In one way, they or just have slightly different roles. Like Nico is a character from the comics. Yeah, yeah. It's and just then... a slightly different role. Yeah, and in the cartoon, which I really loved, by the way, that has some people from the comics as well who weren't in this film. I was like, oh, okay. So it's like a continuation. Anyway, sorry, we're getting mm-hmm. off track. So yes, we get smoking, P-A-R-T-Y, because I got up, and then Mars goes out in the hall. He sees a note on Mrs. Peenan's door saying, shush, so he starts to walk past quietly, and then an alarm clock decides to jump out of his pocket. Now, did you spot this an awful lot of thing about clocks and watches and shit in this film? Like, he always mm. seems to have, like, an alarm clock in his hand, or they're bouncing around, all that sort of stuff. It's very odd. I can't say that I did, but yeah, now that you mention it. There you go. But uh, yeah, alarm clock's bouncing around. He hits it with a mallet, and then Mrs. Peenan comes out, and he scares the shit out of her. And then she probably pulls a shotgun out and tries to shoot him. <laughs> Why? <laughs> he wasn't in her house. He was just in the landing. But yeah, I guess <laughs> she thinks he's a prowler, so she tries to shoot him, and then he jumps out the window. <sighs> yes. And then that's when we get more mugging, like, look, Ma, I'm real kill. And I'm sure stuff like that is yeah, really that, you off. that really, that joke. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. No, no, no. Yeah, some of these references go over my head. They must be like really, really old films or whatever that they're referencing. Well, a lot like. of it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird, right? Because it is, I mean, this film is, is what, 30 years old? Yeah. This year it's 30 years old. This year it's 30 years old. So its point of reference would have been filmed from the 1960s. Yeah, makes sense. So it's, it's mimicking kind of John Wayne. It's mimicking Elvis. It's mimicking these things that are actually make sense for the time but still somehow feel old like really old even in the context of it being 1994 yeah yeah i give you that like, as a kid they, these references completely went over my head uh yeah then we get a bloke who's like bibbing at him now this guy didn't really do anything wrong he just like just get out of the road and then mask decides to put <laughs> yeah absolutely and then dicking Mark... around you green face goon yeah, get out of the bloody road. Um, but yeah, he pulls out some squeezy horn and squeezes it and it proceeds to smash the guy's windows in. I was like, don't think that guy really deserved that, but okay, whatever. Don't honk your horn at people. I mean, he's no. definitely dead. Uh, sorry, deaf. <laughs> yeah, forever. <laughs> he's definitely blown his eardrums out if he's done that. Yeah. But next we get the exchange with the gang. Now, again, I mentioned earlier on that it was there was a delete when they robbed him because part of me was like, this gang didn't really do anything wrong. One of them just asked him, have you got the time? And next thing you know, he pulls his pants over his head. So what did you do that for? But it makes <laughs> sense because he got robbed earlier on. Uh, he runs around the corner and he's doing like a vaudeville like fairground type thing with a balloon show. And he makes one of them a giraffe. I was like, there you go. And he pulls a Johnny out of his pocket. It's like, sorry, wrong pocket. That actually cracked me up. Uh, actually, yeah, that did crack. That that did get a laugh at me. That <laughs> good, good. I'm glad. <laughs> one, at least one laugh in this in this film. I mean, that that did that would have gone massively over my head when I was ten. <laughs> I didn't go over my head. I was like, I said, God, no. <laughs> Don't know what that says about me at ten years old. <laughs> You're a man of the world. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, and then for his oh, last trick, innocent. yeah, I was. <sighs> Young and foolish. Anyway, he, for his last trick, he makes a Tommy gun and shoots at them, but they all run away. It's like, you could have easily killed them. And then I read in the comic books, he does actually kill them. There's that scene with the balloons, and he turns into a Tommy gun and he shoots everyone. I'm like, what the fuck? That's messed up. Uh, and at this point, he pays a visit to Ripley Car Auto Finishing, I think they were called, the yep. people from earlier on who uh, made him get a load of stuff done on his car that he didn't need. And we can tell just by the whizzing around or whatever, he's really fucked them up. But we'll see how much he's fucked them up later. We'll come back to it. He's fucked them right up. Right up. (laughs) (laughs) 
So it's the next morning. Stanley thinks it's a dream. And he's like, oh, thank God for that. And then we get a knock at the door. And it's Lieutenant Calloway. And I've written down, cut price, Richard Gear. That's funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, Calloway is investigating the disturbance in the building. And then, for some reason, he's just immediately suspicious of Stanley and really hates his pyjamas. I'm like, why are you suspicious of him? Like, maybe he didn't hear everything that was going on. Because he tells him, yeah, I'm a bit deaf, so I didn't hear it. But then Calloway just looks really suspicious of him. I'm like, but why? I don't understand. Some people, like, some people just sleep like that. Yeah, exactly. With shitty pyjamas. Well, maybe I've got other shit to, other shit to hide. Exactly. You get out of here, policeman. <laughs> get out of here, Richard. Oh. So then Stanley's late for work and he's rushing around and Milo's trying to help him find his keys. Uh, and then he decides, oh, look, I don't want any tomfoolery with that mask again. So he throws it out the window and then it magically flies back. However, this never comes back in the film again. No, he throws it away in other, on other occasions and it stays thrown away. Yeah. Yeah. It never just flies back in the window again. No, so it only happens once for plot reasons. And I don't understand at this point why he would throw it away. It's not like he did anything last night that you would sit there and think, oh, that was a terrible thing to have done. No, you just took it out on some assholes, which, you know. I don't know, maybe the, deserved it. the cop at his door might have spooked him, like, oh, yeah, look, we're looking for someone who was causing all this trouble. And he was like, oh, God, that was me. Oh, I don't want any part of it. But no, you're right. It was just a bunch of people who were kind of dicks to him, so he was getting his own mm. back. And he didn't murder anyone. So, you know, just caused a bit of havoc. <laughs> uh, yeah. So then we cut to the Ripley Auto Garage, and we see that the mask has sexually assaulted them with <laughs> exhaust pipes. Right up. <laughs> he right shoved up them right up their asses. Oh, my God. But apparently in the comic, he killed them because he shoved them down their throats. I'm like, oh, okay. So what's worse, and being again, assaulted again, or murdered? Guys, those guys are almost certainly dead. Yeah. <laughs> or at yeah. least they're going to be wearing stoners for the rest of their lives. I mean, this is, it is you know, he's, he's severely injured them. Really, really. Really injure them. Um, and then, for some reason, Lieutenant Calloway is there investigating. And to steal a line from our Bean episode, is he like the only cop in Edge City? The or only cop in Edge City. <laughs> he needs to meet the only cop in LA. But we know he's not the only cop because we get that scene later on with his hundreds of cops. Like, why is Kel? Or maybe he's the only lieutenant or detective. Maybe I don't he's know. the only one who's competent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, but Which yeah. doesn't do him any favours at the end. No, he doesn't. But yeah, Calloway's there investigating, and then we meet reporter Peggy Brandt. Now, I got really confused. when went, isn't that from Spider-Man? But that's Betty yeah, Brandt. Yeah, oh. Betty Brandt. Yeah, it, it did feel familiar. That's Amy Yazbek, who is in, yes. um, I know, most from Dracula Dead and Loving It, and uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. And uh, Problem Child. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. Well, yeah, we will not be covering that film, because I remember it being a heap of shit when I was a kid. I, I, don't, I don't remember anything about it. I saw it, but I'm gone completely. It's not very good. And the second one's even worse. And the third one's not even the same actors. I don't know why I watched all these films when I didn't like them. Anyway. You missed the bit where he gets her, had a go by his um his boss. That That's Nick Smith. Hold your horses. Is it next? Oh, yeah, because Peggy goes in and uh, wants a story and Calloway's just like, oh, yeah, no, whatever. Oh, yeah, it was a mob rule. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Whatever. And then she runs in and then presumably steals the paperwork for Stanley because then that gives her a reason to go to the, uh, the the bank. So, yeah, Stanley arrives and he's late for work and his boss gives him shit. And then I've written down, is this guy John Hurd? Or at least related to him, like the dad from Home Alone. He looked well like him. I know, I thought that. I thought it's a, He's also cliched arsehole boss. Like, there are elements of this script that are just like, ah, that'll do. It's where he goes like, you've been oogling girly pictures. Like, Who the fuck says oogling girly pictures? What? Ugh. But then he says a line that's really horrible. When Charlie points out, oh no, actually she's a client of Stan. She's opened up the account. He goes, oh, well you make sure when she next comes in to send her to my office. 
Why? What ever for? <laughs> dirty, dirty old man. So, yeah, at this point, Stanley's pining over Tina in that newspaper where he was ogling girlies or whatever. And uh, Charlie's like, hey, just forget about her. You need someone like with red pouting lips and nice hair and that sort of thing. At which point, Peggy Brent's arrived because uh, she wants to meet Stanley. And again, Charlie's being a pervert. He goes, oh, you leave this to me. Like, this is the office. This is your work. Why are you being such a pervert? Also, also what do you think you look like? <laughs> you ugly short little man. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so Peggy wants to know what Stanley knows about the Ripley Auto mechanic place because of the disturbance that happened or whatever. Uh, and then at first, Stanley denies having a car, and then she reveals actually you have got a car. It's like you've made yourself look a right tip. And at this point, Peggy then reveals that she's actually an agony on, and Stanley wrote a letter in to her talking about nice guys finish last or something. Probably just some letter writing about what a loser he is. And apparently, loads of women wrote in, like, oh, that guy's so sweet. Oh, I'd love to meet a man like this. I'm like, what? What is this? Is that a yeah, magazine? Yeah. Is it a newspaper you write for? What is this? Look, hundreds of women are looking for a guy like you. And I was writing on a self-pitying nerd who writes sad letters to the newspaper. He's like a proto-fucking incel. It's one of those people who talks about being a nice guy. Like, oh, nice guys for job. Nice guys for job. Yo, you are an ass. <laughs> Look, women don't want bad boys. They want normal people. They don't exactly. want self-pitying losers. So just stop. Yeah, for that. They keep on hammering out like that right cow in Nixie's concert tickets and like, calls him a nice guy. Peggy calls him a nice guy. Tina in a bit calls him a nice guy. It's like they're really trying to hammer how he's just a nice guy, a nice normal guy who watches cartoons and, you know, doesn't look after his dog very well. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he needs a he needs a visit from the RSPCA. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we get a bit of mold flirting and Peggy's just like, oh, you know, I'm one of these women who's after you type thing and then scuttles off. So this is the bit with, and it will come back to it later. But I could, I did not remember her from the film. Really? So I watched this film a ton of time when I was a kid, and I could not. When I was watching the credits, it came about Amy Asbeck. I was like, oh shit! I completely forgot she was in this, as in the actress or the character or both. Both. But she's a plot point later on that we'll come to. Come I, to I know, I know, I know, and I couldn't remember that plot point. So at this point, I was like, wait, how does this film end? Oh wow! Well, I've clearly watched it more than you have. Oh, I, don't so know. This... I just drink a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that you do. Brain shot the shit, mate. <laughs> yep. So at this point, we see that Dorian has been summoned to Nico's office for whatever reason, for like manipulating the Coco Bongo Club for his own schemes. And then he proceeds to play golf with his face. And I'm like, now hang on a minute. That would break his teeth. He would just think, oh, that would knock his teeth out doing that. It's horrible. Yeah, I... Also, I wrote at this point, there's so much hair in this film. <laughs> like Hair? What? Yeah, like Nico's haircut. What is that? Like, oh, he's, he's got, got this ponytail. Isn't he? Ponytail, yeah, yeah. but none on top. And he's, one of his henchmen has kind of got like a little rat tail. It's like, what? what is going on with the haircuts in this movie? <laughs> I think that was a 90s fashion, because I remember uh, wrestling talk here, Jesse the Body Ventura, that he had a bald, bald head, but he had like a ponytail coming out the back at one point. Go and rest a friendly hand on his shoulder and say, just let it go, mate. <laughs> <laughs> just age just... gracefully. Just don't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, Nico tells Dorian, basically, get out of town. You're finished. Don't want you anywhere near the Coco Bongo Club. Just beat it, type thing. <sighs> then we get to another leery bit. So Stanley's having a sexy dream about Tina. And it's a revisit of that scene where they were at the Coco Bongo Club. Except this time, Stanley's not a nerd. He's standing there smoking. Yeah, I know. I wrote down here. So cool. <laughs> Way cool. And he's got a really cool car this time, like a Porsche. And they just summons Tina, like, get over here. <laughs> Then she proceeds to start like tongue in his ear. <laughs> oh, what's going on? But then it's because he wakes up and Milo's been licking his ear and he's sleeping. Milo's like, You haven't let me out for a piss in three weeks. Can I please go out for a piss? <laughs> yeah. 
He's like, Milo, no, back in your cage. <laughs> oh, and then Stanley gets up, and for some reason he sellotape that newspaper with Tina to his mirror, and he's like, oh, I'll never get her. And then, oh. Yeah, because he's a nice guy, not creepy widow, cuts out pictures of people in the newspaper and sticks them on the wall. I mean, that is, that's weird. That's, that's just stalker. It's client. It's not even yeah, like, it's not even something you fancy, like a celebrity. It's his client at the bank. That is stalker behaviour, right? That's the kind of behaviour which like a, a, a seven-year-old would do and be like, I've cut out this picture of someone and I put them on the wall because I fancied them. No, he's like 31 at this point. Um, also, uh, <laughs> it's like her scene at the Coco Bongo. Fucking Coco Bongo. Um, how is that front page news? Just like Tango, uh, unless cash always been on the news. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's the yes. world news. Maybe it's the weekly right. world news. Maybe just nothing happens in Edge City, or maybe Dorian and Nico like have so much power and corruption they manipulate the newspapers. I don't know. Anyway, so hey, this... this attractive woman sang in a club. Front <laughs> page news, by all. Extra, read all about it. Uh, but yeah, at this point, um, Stanley decides, oh, angry. if I wear the mask, maybe I could get her. So he puts on his mask, and that's when we get the iconic yellow suit. And he'll think he goes like, hold on, sugar, Daddy's got a sweet tooth tonight. Yeah. <laughs> And then, <laughs> At least two points. This is not stop for referring to yourself as daddy. It's yeah, weird. It's <laughs> Yuck. And then we get a fast montage of him grooming himself, brushing his teeth, having a shave, blow drying himself, and then we get the iconic line: "Ooh, somebody stopped me!" And, uh, and oh god, my anus disappeared up into the back of my throat. <laughs> Yeah, but he realizes that if he's going to go to the Coco Bongo Club, he needs a bunch of money. Now, this is what I didn't understand. He's magical and he can invent stuff in his pockets, like bazookas and all that stuff, but he can't invent money. So he decides, right, I'm going to go rob the bank that I work in. I was like, and this begs the Do question. Do you know why that is? Why he's robbing the bank? Yeah, why he can't just create money from his pockets. Go on. Plot. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Lazy, lazy script writing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but uh, yeah. And also, this begs the question. Stanley, because we know what a terrible idea that is. Like, if I rob the bank, like, my fingerprints are going to be everywhere, right? So it's always like, when you become the mask, do you have no control over what you're doing? And the mask, like, a bit like with Venom or something like that, does it completely take you over? Yeah, it, it can't do. Because there's still bits of his character there. It's strange. It's, yeah, it's not yeah. really explained. And when Dorian puts on the mask later on, spoiler alert, he's fully in control of everything he's doing. He's not he doesn't the change at all. No, it gets bold because he's a different actor. Yeah, yeah. 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 Anyway, so yeah, he goes off to rob the bank. <laughs> then we cut to Dorian's goons robbing the bank. Not Sally, am I? No masks. Like they, they've got a big old van that almost says like Nico's van or something like that. They just run along <laughs> to the front we're the, door. We're the best in the biz. What are you going to do? I'm going to walk up to the front door. I'm going to blow it off into the <laughs> and I'm going to steal all the money. I've thought this plan through. It's foolproof. <laughs> Why did they even need to film it if they were just going to smash the front door and go in? <laughs> make any sense uh but at this point <laughs> we've been casing the joint boss yeah front door's there <laughs> <laughs> found it <laughs> but would you believe it the mask has beaten to it and he bursts out the door having already robbed it and at this point cops immediately show up why why have the cops just shown up <laughs> and they just have a massive shootout this is something my wife pointed out goes, why is so there so many guns in this there's yeah, people I... shooting all the time in this smoking so and shooting get... so many people get shot in this film it's like this is a kid's film it's really. a PG. Yeah, I'm surprised. I don't know if your uh, DVD was. Mine's a PG. I don't know if it's a 12 yeah. on re-evaluation. Yeah, but yeah, quite a, a bit of swearing in this as well. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's there's swearing, there's um, violence, there's smoking, there's heavy objectification of women. <laughs> <laughs> there's sexual assault mechanics. Uh, nothing nothing yeah. says good family fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, at this point, we're back at the Coco Bongo Club and a huge limo arrives. So the mask comes out and manages to bribe his way inside because he just chucks a load of cash. Now, I'm not sure if the bouncer was like, oh, what's going on? He was trying to stop the chaos or whether he was just like, oh, there's a ton of money here, whatever. I mean, just come in. Work. I think that would work. That I would think work. if you wanted to get in somewhere, you just threw a load of money up in the air. I think that you'd probably get in because people would be distracted trying to get your money. You know, I mean, that's. I mean, that is, that's certainly how I like to make an entrance. Right. Except it doesn't really work when I left for the 50 piece of people. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can't be letting the weather spoon, <laughs> the bouncers are saying no, we'll just throw like 50 piece up and see what happens. Anyway, so inside the Coco Bongo That's how club. I broke my last two ribs. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Uh, so inside the Coco Bongo Club, Tina's performing a very Jessica Rabbit-like song, being all flirty with the dudes. I wrote down there, I don't think that's a singing voice. <laughs> it's absolutely not a singing voice. I looked that up. Uh, the mask arrives at a table, and then he starts being all caught towards... <laughs> no, nobody, like, because he's, he's doing the thing where he's like, his eyes are bugging out of his head, his heart comes out of his yeah, chest, it, turns yeah. into a cartoon wolf. At no point does anyone at any other table go, now what the fuck is That guy was mad. What's, what's going on here? He's yeah. mad. He seems to be able to defy the laws of physics. Yeah, and this is a... I'll talk about it later, but there's the whole thing about the bars being magical and people not really realising that, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, at which point, Tina's finished her song and then the mask rushes up on stage, magically manages to transform the band into, I don't know, some sort of swing kings or something like that. And he's like, let's rock this joint. And then he has this most amazing dance with uh, Tina, which I thought was really impressive. And apparently that was actually he's... Jim Carrey dancing. The bit where he spins around in the air, she'd be dead. <laughs> totally, totally dead. <laughs> Uh, and then we cut back to Dorian's office and Freeze, I think this dude is called. Freeze has been shot because, well, I mean, the goons started it, didn't they? They started shooting at the cops. So obviously the cops were going to shoot back. So he's been shot. And then Dorian decides, oh, the best way to uh, sort this man out, I'm going to give him a cigarette. And then he probably <laughs> dies. <laughs> Don't smoke. But yeah, killed him immediately. Um, yep. The guy plays Freeze, he's been in loads of stuff. Yeah, hasn't he been in like ER and stuff like that? Yeah, I think he's yeah. in the fantastic, crap Fantastic Four movie as well. There's been several crap Fantastic Four movies. In well, fact, the one I with, uh, they're all crap. The one with Miles. Yeah, no, you're right. They are all crap. The one with Miles Teller, though, the really crap one. Oh, that is crap. Yeah, yeah. yeah That's he, he really. Plays their dad. I think he plays. Um, yeah, you're right. You're right. Johnny Storm's dad, in it? Dad, yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, so Dorian's all annoyed and he wants Frank to know. Storm. Hey? Sorry. Franken Storm. Sorry, go on. <laughs> whatever, whatever. Anyway, so Dorian demands to know who killed Freeze, and then Eddie spots the mask dancing down there with Tina. And at this point, the gang just starts shooting the club up. Why? As if people are going to come back after this big gun crime going on in that club. Um, and well, then... you want to go to Well, I'd love to go anywhere else, but there is nowhere else. So back to the Coco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might possibly get shot or blown up. Uh, and at this point, this bit makes no sense either. So I think it's Eddie shoots at the mask, and part of the mask's tie goes off, and then it turns back into Stanley's pajamas that he was wearing mm. earlier. Now this doesn't make any sense because later on the mask is shot at, and that doesn't happen. He just gets like hit with the bullets or whatever. So yeah, yeah. again, plot. <laughs> and then we get this hilarious bit when Dorian's like, "Right, I want to know where all my money is," like that. And then he starts doing like the the. Like all the guy, and then that's like right, shoot him, and he starts being a bullfighter, Elvis, um, a matador, and then finally, as a cowboy, he actually gets shot. And this bit, I was absolutely dying of laughter, and my wife was getting really annoyed. So he goes over that guy <laughs> with a ball, and he's like, "Oh, we're close, Brad. It's getting dark." And he's like, oh, oh. And I'm like, 
and stop laughing. I was like, too tiny, Tim, I'll have you coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is one of the few bits of the film that legitimately made me laugh. Oh, my God. It's I think so I can probably count on three fingers the amount of times this was one of them. It's, it's very so funny. God damn funny. The bloke with these arms, I was like crying and everything. <laughs> and then he's awarded an Oscar and that's when he does that Sally Field parody you love me you really love me um, and then yeah as you said earlier on and then he ruins it by just bouncing off bouncing around like a lunatic and ruining it by just making silly noises yeah but it was funny and then Kellaway arrives because he's the only cop in Edge City wanted to know what the only was. cop in Edge City <laughs> and his psychic Doyle Doyle love Doyle um yeah, he's investigating the robbery and just naturally thought, well, it could only be Dorian and his gang who's done it. He's like, no, it wasn't me. It was some dude with a green mask. And then this bit really annoys me. So Kellaway spots a piece of Stanley's pyjamas on the floor. And he's like, Ipkiss. <laughs> but so what? <laughs> Maybe just randomly some pyjamas got there? Why does that mean he's got anything to do with the robbery? It makes also, no fucking sense. Also, more than one person would have those pyjamas. <laughs> yeah. And they weren't that offensive. They just had, like, I don't know, Steer, uh, ship steering wheels and, and uh, rubber rings on them and stuff. I was like, I'm, I'm sure there are much worse pajamas out there. <laughs> um, he didn't sleep in the nude. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? Open the door. Like, Hello. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, the Bring next morning. Right. Exactly. Hey, Callaway. Anyway. Um, in? <laughs> but anyway, speaking of Callaway, he does arrive at Stanley's flat the next day. And then we get Stanley opening the cupboard and all the money that he's nicked and still there. It's like, oh, why did you open that fucking cupboard? The money's absolutely everywhere. I was getting very agitated by this. Like, Put it away. Put it away. You're going to get caught. You're going to get arrested. Um, let's get away in. And he barges his way in. And he starts, um, again, asking, oh, look, have you got something to do with this? I found your pyjamas here. It's like, so what? Again, how does that tie you to a robbery? And then he tells him that his PJs were stolen. And he just accepts it. He doesn't say, right, no, I order you to, to show me your pyjamas. And also, what did Stanley do with the pyjamas as well? Because he's wearing different ones. Yeah. So many questions. So many questions, Smith. No good answers. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we cut to the bank and Kellaway and Doyle are looking Doyle. at Doyle. I'm looking at footage of the robbery because, again, Kellaway's just a thousand places all the time. Yeah. yeah. Hard working man in HC. <laughs> He's the only cop in this city. <laughs> um, uh, and then Kellaway tells Doyle, look, Doyle? Doyle? None of those fingerprints match for Dorian's men, but I think that Stanley Ipkiss bloke's got something to do with it. Can you run his fingerprints? Because I presume if you work for a bank, you've got to give your fingerprints? Maybe? I don't know. I always wonder about that in films. Isn't it? Like, because generally, you'd only you'd think you'd only have your fingerprints on file if you've done something wrong. I don't know, maybe it's just a precaution. When you're dealing with that sort of money, like a massive vault full of money, they have to cover their asses. I don't know. But yeah, you're right. But if you had done something wrong, then you'd just be fired. Oh, who knows? Anyway. So then we cut to Dorian back in his office, and he's put a bounty on the mask for $50,000. So, right, bring me the mask before the cops do. And then he starts giving shit for Tina for dancing with the mask. Um, And he goes, oh, yeah, you kissed him. He goes, oh, did it look like I had much of a choice? Like, yeah, he was being very, very rapey. I mean, yeah, he's pretty aggressive sexually, is the mask. Um, There's a number of times at this point where they already start saying, oh, he's in a rubber mask. It's like, for God's sake. Oh, yeah, that's annoying. not identify the fact that the man is, A, green, and B, defies the laws of physics. Like, it's not, this is not, he's not wearing a rubber mask. 
I don't know. Doyle does say, oh, I don't know, sir, that's a hell of a rubber mask. As in saying it's not a rubber mask, that's something else. But yeah. But yeah, they could see that he's dashing about like the Tasmanian devil. Like, that's yeah. clearly not just a bloke wearing a mask. He literally just changed his costume in the split of, you know, in the blink of an eye. He, yeah. Anyway, we'll come back to that later. Uh, yeah, then Stanley arrives at his work and he's proper late again. And uh, his boss is going mental because the bomb. Bank's been robbed, and then he turns up late. And then he basically tells him to go fuck himself. Now, this bit really bothered me. I was like, did he fire him? Or was he just going, okay, fine, whatever, and just walked off? It's never really, that's never really resolved. He just goes, that'll be all, Lipkiss. I was like, if I spoke to my boss like that, I would be fired no, immediately. I think in the way that he shouted at him, he shouted at him, revealing that he, <clears throat> that he knew that, sorry. <laughs> Inside trading or whatever else, yeah. or, yeah, yeah, yeah fraud. Yeah, so okay, that, yeah. fine. Okay. God, you're right. Have a coffee, yeah. got there. <laughs> Would you mind quiet, dying quietly, Smith? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we need to invest in some editing software. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, right. So Charlie tells you know Stanley, oh bravo, and then invites him again to the Coco Bongo Club on Saturday. <laughs> he's, like, he's obsessed with that bloody place. I mean, is there anywhere else to go? No, I don't think there is. Because uh, there's a big charity ball at the Coco Bongo this Saturday. Mm, wonder if this will come back. <laughs> uh, and then Tina arrives at the cl- at the sorry the bank for some reason, saying that she don't need an account anymore. Uh, and then sort of deduces that she would like to see the mask again. And then Stanley says, "Oh, I can arrange that for you." And she don't put two and two together that they're the same person. He's like, "Oh, he's a whole college buddy of mine." Hmm. We've seen Was this a that, lot in movies. Does she or doesn't she? I can't really work it out. I suspect um, it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. She calls him a nice guy. Then we cut to Stanley suddenly has a meeting with that Dr. Arthur Newman who was on the telly earlier on. It's like, A, how did you get his contact details? This isn't the internet. B, how did you manage to see him so quickly? And C, shouldn't you be working? But he's in the office and he's showing him the mask and he's saying, yeah, look, this thing's magical and all that. And Dr. Newman's like, no, this is a piece of wood. Like, my book is just about psychiatry or whatever. It's a metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> a, a metaphor, Mr. Rivkiss. To be taken literally. And this bit, you know, I don't know if you found it cringe or hilarious, but I found it fucking hilarious. He's like, right, I'm going to prove it to you that he works. And he puts the mask on and he doesn't do anything. <laughs> and he's dancing around like a complete buffoon. You didn't find it funny, did you? I did not find it funny, no. Um, again, it's just more like annoying mugging that went on about 30 seconds too long. I found it funny. <laughs> and we learned that the mask only works at night. Now, in the cartoon, it worked all the time. So I think it's just, mm. it restricts you if it only works at night. But yeah, yeah. so, yeah, but I we mean, learned. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a necessary for the plot to understand why he doesn't change during the day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I guess both superheroes do come out at night, like Batman and stuff like that, and Kick-Ass yeah, yeah. and whatever else. I don't know, whatever. But yeah, we learn, well, Dr. Newman suggests this mask could be Loki, that the spirit is trapped inside. But then he says, oh, but it's just a mask. So why did you just say that? I mean, yeah. it didn't really make any sense to me. Well, said, anyway. Who's Loki? And I just wrote down Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, in fact, when he turned up in Thor, when I saw it for the first time, I was like, what, that, that thing that's trapped in the mask? But yeah, there you go. <laughs> Tom Hiddleston it is. Uh, right. Then we get Kellaway, he's been stalking Stanley, and we learn that he's got confirmation that the fingerprints are his. <laughs> that's when Doyle arrives with some onion rings. He's like, get in the car, dog. I've got onion rings. Doyle! Doyle! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> Then we then we get to Landfill Park. That's a terrible name for a park. And then we learn, oh no, it's literally a landfill park. It used to be a yeah. park. It used to be a landfill, and now it's a park. Okay. Yeah. It's um, like in Seattle, we have Gasworks Park. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Stanley's waiting for Tina, and then we see that Kellaway and Doyle are stalking <laughs> Stanley in the in the bush, hanging around in the bushes like a dirty old pervert. Exactly. 
uh, at this point, Stanley runs off and then immediately turns into the mask. Look, why, why doesn't Tina realise that's him? He just literally ran I'm behind that gonna... bush and the mask just came flying back I'm out. I'm just going to go back around the side of this bush. Nobody <laughs> asks questions about what I'm doing in the bush. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then, yeah, he turns all French and very, very rapey. And this scene is very, very uncomfortable. In fact, some of the choice words he uses, kiss me, my dear, and I reveal my croissant. And our love is like a red rose and I'm a little thorny. Like, he, he also says, I'll spread your pate. Oh, did he oh, say that? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Horrible. Uh, and then she knees him in the balls. <laughs> yeah. She is Which so means cool she's not into it. And then he keeps pressing her down. It's like, oh, God's sake. Yeah, he's like, she is so good. I love it. I was like, Ugh, stop it. Uh, then we get another scene of smoking. And he's... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and at this point, that's when we get Kellaway's men turned out. Like, right, Ipkiss freeze, and then he literally freezes, and then, yeah, we get all that where he's pulling loads of stuff out of his pockets. <laughs> nobody, <laughs> again, nobody notices this man has just frozen himself in midair. And Everyone's got... just like, arrest him. He's like, don't arrest him, kill him. <laughs> yeah. Put him to... this, this man is clearly some sort of demon. Doesn't make any sense. And then pulling all sorts of random crap out of his pocket like a bazooka, but then I'll question it. <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing. Doyle goes, a picture of Kellaway's wife. Went, Margaret, you son of a bitch. Uh, but then he ruins it. He goes, oh, I thought you had a sense of humor. After all, you married her. But yeah, when he just went, you son of a bitch, really made me laugh. <laughs> and Doyle just seems perfectly normal about as far as a picture of Kellaway's wife. <laughs> uh, uh, then the mask runs off and he's boarding up the, um, the park doors. And he turns around and we see that the entire police force is there to arrest him. Why? There's SWAT team people there and everywhere. So it's like... Have they sent that many cops because they know that mask is magical and they can't stop him just one on one? Because then it contradicts what they say. Like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah. The inconsistency is like, do you think this is a bloke wearing a rubber mask, or do you know that he's wearing a magical mask that can do yeah. amazing stuff? Makes no sense. Uh, then you can either love or hate this bit. I loved it. We get the Cuban Pete song with the. Um, they're all start dancing. He's manipulating everyone. The cops are all getting into it and dancing, and then. Just as Doyle and Kellaway climb over, Doyle gets really excited and starts dancing as well. It's like, Doyle! He's <laughs> like, no, you start, you start dancing, I'll blow your head off. I think that's what he says. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, at this point, Mars like, right, I'm going to make a quick exit. And as he runs away, some random old lady walks past. He just grabs hold of her and kisses her. I was like, why? What'd you do that for? There's been at least five minutes of this film without sexual assault in it, so we're going to have to correct that. Dear, oh dear. Yeah, um, then he runs off down the alley. Oh, no, I've, I've missed a bit. So just before that, Peggy is in a, a reporting office and she gets a tip off that the police are after Stanley Itkiss. So, yeah, when he runs down the alley, that's why Peggy then turns up to pick him up. I did wonder how she knew where he was. Because she said, uh, yeah, did they say but, there's a tip off at Landfill Park? I don't know. Yeah, but there's, it, that'd be like something, oh, there's a tip off at, you know... Uh, oh, God, Regent's Park or something. Regent's Park, yeah. Oh, yeah, drive yeah, yeah. there. Oh, there there is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the cops like fail to catch him as he jumps in. Oh, you know, he, he becomes Stanley again. That's the first scene we ever get where he's taking the mask off and coming back, uh, turning back into Stanley, which looked pretty I cool. I don't know why he takes it off at that point. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Because... He's literally gone round the corner. It's not like he's a couple of miles away. Yeah, and if there's cops around, then they're suddenly going to see Stanley walking around because all the time he's the mask, he can keep denying it. No, I'm not I'm not Stanley Ipkiss, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the cops fail to catch him and they're shooting at the car as he gets into it and the dog's like oh i missed him uh and then we cut to it's the newspaper printing office i think where peggy and yeah. and stanley are at and she's all blowing smoke up his ass being like oh you're a great guy and oh yeah and he's like oh do you really mean that she's like uh no 
And at which point Dorian arrives and turns out she's accepted that 50k bounty to betray him. So you didn't remember any of this bit? No, I didn't remember any of this bit. I didn't remember it at all. Interesting. Um, go on. No, no, go on. So I'm not sure this part you spit trivia. There is a deleted scene yes. where after she gets her $50,000, Dorian actually kills her. He yeah. uh, throws her into the newspaper press and like her face is all over the newspaper and it's all covered in blood because I presume it's the masked powers managed to do that. Yeah. But, but yeah, but they um they kept her around for a potential sequel. Yeah, which never That's happened. why they ended up not killing yeah, no. Well it did. Some of the mask did happen. We will not talk about this movie. <laughs> I've never seen that. I've never yeah. watched that. Yeah. So Dorian wants to know where his money is, but he also says to Stanley, right, how does this mask work? And then Dorian puts it on and becomes evil mask. It actually looks really cool. But it's def- definitely a different actor playing him. He's much bulkier and he's all demonic yeah, and then yeah. he's like, Well, the police are looking for the mask, so let's give him the mask. Which is sensible. He can carry on doing evil shit and Stanley can, you know, be framed for it. Uh, then, what then they're at Stanley's apartment and they take all the money and then Eddie gives him that really terrible line. He goes, the money better be here, Ipkiss, or you can Ipkiss your ass goodbye. I see, I wrote solid work down there. That's solid line. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, solid work. I like, I like stuff. <laughs> all right, fine. I mean, the fine. fact that no one had said that to him until that point was remarkable. Fair enough. Uh, Milo spots Stanley in the car outside because why wouldn't he? And you know he's a magic dog by some sort of miracle. Uh, and then starts giving chase to the car as it drives off. And this point we get Callaway and Doyle coming out Doyle. of the police station. So, does Callaway ever have a day off? He works day and night. The poor bastard. <laughs> uh, and as they're coming police out, police officers in film never have a day off. They're always working, especially when you're the only cop in Edge City. But yeah, <laughs> and Doyle. And then he makes some the sort of remark. Doyle in <laughs> And then he makes some sort of remark like, oh, maybe Stanley Ipkiss is going to land right in my lap. And then, would you believe it? The car driving past throws Stanley and it lands oh. on him. Now, this bit annoys me. He's like, wait, I can just explain everything. And they pull out of his pocket a green rubber mask. Like, no, yeah. no, that doesn't make any fucking sense. You've seen what he can do when he's the mask. A rubber mask would not be able to make him do that. Oh, so put it on him. Put it on him and see what happens. Nothing. Exactly. He just looks like a shit mask. Yeah. Fuck off. Fuck off. Yeah, we get Stanley's been banged up in prison and Milo's followed him there and he just sort of says out the window, I'll go find yourself a new home. I'm going to be here for a long time. In the morning, Tina's come to see Stanley. And then he tells her, look, just get out of here. And I think she says something like, oh, I think he's planning something for the, the ball tonight. And and then he sort of gives her an explanation about how the mask works. Like, yeah, I think we know what the, what it is and what it does. Yeah. So obviously, if Dorian wears it, it, that's terrible, you know? So, yeah. Uh, he's about to give her a kiss. And then one of the cops cock blocks him. And then <laughs> she leaves. And at which point, Dorian's gang are, like, chasing after her. <laughs> Stanley's Stan, Stan, trying to have a dumb... And then sees out the window that they're chasing her, and the policeman couldn't possibly care less. Um, oh yeah, that's the bit that we get Milo jumping up, and you know, because Milo's yeah, yeah. going to break him out of the uh, out of the cell. And then Dorian, I feel sorry for that dog. I thought fucking hurt himself doing that. Yeah, I was trying to. Like, how have you got him to do this? Like, is it some sort of trick photography where it's actually flat and they're just getting him to run up, or are they actually no, get him to jump? Just chucking a dog up a wall. <laughs> Whole thing. But yeah, as you said earlier, he's an amazing dog actor. Very, very good. Yeah, yeah. Especially uh, this bit where he gets into the cell. Yeah, yeah. It's very clever. Um, just before that, Dorian realises that Tina was going to leave, and he's like, right, okay, you know, you're in trouble, do I think? And then Milo finally gets into the cell, uh, manages to grab the keys from the sleeping policeman, mm. 
That's uh, the bit. That's the bit where he's really good. Where he's oh my god, slightly. There's a looking at him like, oh yeah. Like, How is this dog giving someone a quizzical look? Yeah. The bit I, the, I did laugh quite a lot when he had the cheese. Yeah, like, no, <laughs> not the cheese. Like, the cheese. He's, like, he's like looking like, huh? Like the, <laughs> cheese. Like, no, but she's like, cheese. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Oh, you silly dog. Amazing dog. Um. The Dorian and Tina are traveling when he shows he's got a ton of explosives in there. I was like, oh no, someone's in trouble. And then Stanley. <laughs> oh no, someone's in trouble. <laughs> Stanley then breaks out of his cell off to take the copper's gun and wallops him. I was like, what if it didn't knock what him out? It's like, ah! <laughs> it wouldn't knock you out. It just really fucking hurt. And if you do knock someone out, this is the truth. Like, if you knock someone unconscious for more than a couple of minutes, they have the brain damage. So, exactly. I mean, so at this point, regardless of whether or not he could be held accountable for his actions as the mask, which he can. Uh, he has assaulted a police officer, <laughs> holding a police officer's weapon, escaped from prison, resisted arrest, is about to take resisted arrest, is about to take another police officer hostage. He's also, as the mask, robbed a bank and probably sexually assaulted two or three people and regular assaulted several more. Yeah, really. I mean, he's got a prison long for a long old fucking <laughs> yeah, time. Long time. Long time. But yeah, as you're quite right, uh, suddenly Kellaway walks around the corner, because why wouldn't he? <laughs> Doesn't have a dial. Just, just do him around. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he gets uh, Kellaway to handcuff him so they can take him out of the cop shop, which doesn't make any sense, because even when Doyle turns up, he's like, where are you taking him, kids? I was like, yeah, where are you taking him? That doesn't make any fucking sense. Why would you take him out of his cell? It's uh, the new program we've got where we drive prisoners around in the fresh air for a few hours uh, with their dogs. <laughs> yeah. And then Kellaway tries talking to him in pig Latin, which I couldn't work out. The only bit I could work out was like, he's got a gun. I couldn't, I think yeah. this is like Ixnay Gunner or something like that. And then, yeah, Doyle doesn't realise it was a cry for help. Uh, Dorian then transfers, transforms into the evil mask. And then that's when we get to the Coco Bongo Club. And of course, Charlie is here being a perv. It's like, can I have some <laughs> yes. cigarettes? He's like, yeah, I don't even smoke with you. <laughs> oh, God, Charlie. Mm. Uh, then Dory and his men burst into the party and then we get like Stanley driving like an absolute maniac and there was a really funny line he's like we're already late for the bar because oh yeah Alice and the White Rabbit are going to be really disappointed now you're being cynical <laughs> that's a really good line um, then what happens yeah then we get a big shootout with Dorian's men and Nico's men and then Dorian shot and then he managed to like suck all the bullets back in and gets them in his mouth and then just shoots them at Nico I was like right this undeveloped uh, mob Gangs the man, he's now dead. He's now dead. Nico with his bad haircut is now dead. Another person in this film getting shot. Lots of people getting shot and dying horribly. With the actual like blood spatter as well. It's like, this is a PG. This is a PG. Not even a 12. A PG. Uh, then Stanley arrives and he leaves Kellaway in his car. Um, and then that's where we get Dorian's men stealing the money for that massive piggy bag. I was like, if you don't want that fucking money for the bank, what do you need the money from that for as well? <laughs> Um, uh, if you have to ask questions like that, Stu, you clearly got too much money. <laughs> I, yes, clearly, clearly. Uh, Stanley then makes his way inside and then gives Charlie a gun for some reason. Why, why give me Charlie a gun? Well, Charlie doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything interesting. He goes, okay, I'll go and help get people out. It's like, he's a lechy, pervy bank manager. What are we doing? And why does he need a gun for that? Why can't he just open a fire escape? Go here, go on, get yeah. out. <laughs> what's he going to do? <laughs> Fucking murder someone if someone challenges him. So stupid. Uh, it- Dorian setting up the explosive with Tina strapped to a palm tree. He's like, this will go off in 10 minutes. I was like, why 10 minutes? Why not just do it in like one minute? Just get out of here. Also, there's a couple of minutes later with the other head. He was like, I can't turn this thing off. Why would you build something that you couldn't turn off? (laughs) Like, that seems like a mistake. He's like, oh, I've accidentally turned it. Oh, whoops. (laughs) Uh, We 
Shouldn't have turned that on by mistaking a plane. I can't turn it off once it's turned on. We're all definitely going to die. If Eddie was that concerned about it, why didn't he just run out? Oh, fuck this. <laughs> just run yeah. out. Why does he need to leave for Dorian? Um, and then at one point, you hear this old woman who sounded very much like Mrs. Peenan. It's like, is that Mrs. Peenan? It, it is. It is. Mrs. It, yeah, is. it is. It is. Ah, I always wonder. Yeah, you that. see her very, very briefly right at the end being let out. She was there. Yeah. What's she doing at the Coco Bongo Club? Oh, everyone's at the Coco Bongo Club. <laughs> it's the happening place to be. Apparently. With your landlady and your lechy maid. <laughs> <laughs> it's not spaced. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Brian. Anyway, so Stanley's caught by the henchman, and then this bit I thought was wicked as well. Milo really cleverly lets himself outside of the car and runs into the club. Like, How the fuck have they got the dog to do that? He opens up like the lock and pulls open the door and then runs out. It's amazing. And even Callaway goes, it's a smart dog. So, <laughs> yes, it is. You're quite right. Uh, then we get Tina's tricking Dorian into kissing her uh, without his mask on and then she kicks it and the mask like flies with loads of the edge and not being able to get it. Mask goes fucking flying. That's a hell of a kick. It really does. Uh, Milo catches it and then he runs off and then that's when we get Stanley and Dorian having a fight which just seems to go on for absolutely ever. But also, at what point did Stanley get to the point where he could have a fist fight with someone like Dorian and do no. anything other than get his ass handed to him? Yeah, Dorian would punch him once and he'd go down like a sack of shit. But yeah. Or he'd just shoot him. <laughs> just like yeah. shoot him in the face and be like, there you go. There you go. I've already uh, killed other people. Why do I care? Exactly. Uh, Eddie grabs Milo and I was like, oh, I see where this is going. The mask falls down and Milo puts his head into it and starts transforming into the mask. Uh, and then, doesn't actually really do much as Milo the dog. He no, just grabs at Eddie, more... then he pisses at him and he bites someone's arse later on. Yeah, he didn't really do anything. I, I remembered him being more, the dog. Yeah, the me too. I remembered him doing stuff. I remembered him killing Eddie. I was sure he killed Eddie. Like, he... Not like he didn't see it, but I'm pretty sure like he grabbed and then jumped him off screen and then that was the end of Eddie, but he, that doesn't happen. No, he just pisses on him. Yeah. Uh, then Stanley and Dorian continue to fight and then he proper wallops Dorian and then he goes into one of those slot machines he's like yeah yeah uh, and then yeah we see Milo and then Stanley pulls the mask off him and that's when we're like oh finally we're going to get some more Jim Carrey masks because I don't know about you, know, you probably thought it was too much I didn't think there was enough Jim Carrey mask and he doesn't do much when he's the mask you know there seems to be lots uh, of other it's, shit it's, going it's, on it's, it's fewer and farther between than I remember it being this film is, is one of those films where it felt the need to... It doesn't have a plot, really, but it felt the need to try and have one, and it went for generic 90s crime comedy caper. Like, what is this film? Yeah, it's odd. So as brief as it was, Stanley then pulls the mask off of Milo, and then that's when Dorian's gang starts shooting at him. So dives behind the bar, but did he put the mask on in time? Turns out, yes, he did. It's all fine. Well, yeah, obviously he did, otherwise... <laughs> no, <laughs> That'd be so wouldn't it? Oh, no, he's dead. All right, Dorian wins. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> no. So then we get uh, the mask in his new suit, very gangster looking suit, jumps over. And that's where we get the, did you miss me? And drinks some juice and it all pours out of him like bullet holes. But uh, no, turns out he didn't miss him at all. Oh, uh, God. And then he's like, I guess not. And that's when we get the Dirty Harry line. He's like, you guys ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punks? And then pulls out a load of guns and the gang like, oh, run off. But they're just guns with like, you know, flags that say bang on them. I would prefer if he actually shot him, just like he shot at that gang earlier in the alley. That would have looked better. <laughs> but, we just uh, blown them to smithereens. Yeah, revenge. Uh, yeah, runs over to Tina because the bomb's only got like four seconds left on it and then eats it and it blows up. And I'm like, again, I have questions of this. Like, surely it's going into your body, but it, wouldn't it kill you? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you turn that mask off and you're like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Eats the bomb, it blows up inside him. 
puffs out the, the flame. That's a spicy meatball. Uh, then we get Dorian running towards him, and he jumps into the fountain where that tree is. And then the mask just paints like a um, a flusher on it and flushes him. And Dorian just like flushes away. I'm like, that just means killed him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> really, surely you've just gone into the river where he found the mask. Gonna, that ain't going to kill him. Maybe they just did that so he could come back in the mask too. If they or, or, or what happened is he just went into a portal of just water and then drowned. Yeah. So now you can add Panicked. murder to his list of charges yeah. that the mask has done. <laughs> oh. Then, Even vigilante murder Stu is still murder. Indeed. We shouldn't be encouraging these vigilantes, master or otherwise. Exactly. That's why Batman doesn't kill anyone. Uh he does frequently. Yeah. <laughs> Every film version ever. Batman, Batman returns. Definitely. He kills loads of people. <laughs> and happily too. Uh yep. Then the mask becomes Stanley again, and then the cops all arrive in and then led by Charlie for some reason. It was like, Officers, arrest those men. Why is one of us say that? Fuck off, Charlie. Is that, <laughs> you're not a, you can't say that. Because you're not a policeman. Yeah, and they'd be like, oh, yeah, because they'd kill oh. him. Give me that gun. It's going to be like impersonating an officer. That's six months. Yeah, and that's also a policeman's gun that he's holding. He's be in yeah. trouble for that. Uh, yeah, so they all get out of there. And then outside, Kellaway goes to uh, arrest Stanley, but then the mayor walks past. He's like, no, that wasn't Stanley, wasn't the mask. It was. Uh, uh, Dorian Tyrell, he's the real hero. <laughs> then Doyle goes, oh, you're a real hero. I was like, Doyle! <laughs> Doyle! <laughs> no, I think, so this is the point, right? This is where, like, Kellerman like, has evidence <clears throat> that it was Lots and lots of evidence. There are fingerprints and video footage. It, you know it's him. Yeah, surely the mayor can't overrule policemen with, like... No! That's not how being the mayor works. Yeah. But whatever reason, he says, no, leave him alone, and I want to see him in my office tomorrow. At which point, even, like, Milo runs past holding the mask. Like, oh, man, man, the dog. is like, leave the dog alone. <laughs> but you can see he's holding the mask. But that's the point, right, where Kellerman is a decent police officer who's going to get in trouble for being a police officer. Yeah, this city's so corrupt. Oh, and then the next morning we see that Stanley, Tina, Charlie, for some reason, and Milo. Why is he still there? (laughs) Why is he still there? I always remember Charlie being a much bigger character. It's like, no, he's in like three scenes and he's annoying in all of them. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so Stanley and Tina go up onto the bridge and then Stanley's like, are you sure you want just me? You know, know, once you throw it away, he's gone. And then she decides, no, I love this pathetic loser, Stanley. So she throws the the mask off. I was like, to be fair, I probably would have chose Stanley. Like, the mask is like chaos and he's a bit rapey as well so yeah, yeah. you're probably better off with him I mean uh, they probably last I'll give him six months she'll probably get back to his apartment and realise he's a grown ass man who watches cartoons and has absolutely no backbone and she'll leave him absolutely uh, so she throws the mask in the river and then both Charlie and Milo jump into the river to get it I'm like what was Charlie's game plan this, what you're going to start being the mask now like you'll just immediately get arrested <laughs> I mean I wrote down that man should not have a mask he would be a rapist yeah <laughs> Like what would happen? Even worse than Jim Carrey mask, yeah. <laughs> uh, but Milo has retrieved it, and they swim off. And then, yeah, Jim Carrey's getting apparently off the original Tina. ending. Apparently, the original ending, Charlie got the mask. Really? And they added after test screenings. They added in Milo getting it because people were like, "No, we like the dog. We yeah, don't like yeah. this annoying man." Yeah, the dog's much better. Uh, yeah, and then Jim Carrey pulls away from getting off with Tina, goes smoking, and then we get credits. So that I threw something at the telly. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the mask. Not allowed to pick films anymore. <laughs> no, yes, you chose this. You can't even. I know, I this. did. I know. Okay, well let's let's go back to 1994. You were either at the cinema or you weren't at the cinema. You can't quite remember where you were. But what did you love and or hate about it back then? I just loved Jim Carrey back then. But like anything Jim Carrey for me, he could do no wrong. It's anarchic 
kind of mugging and physical humor was exactly the kind of thing I enjoyed. It's exactly that kind of hyperactive, very 90s, very silly comedy, but it also referenced sort of lots of film stuff. Like mm-hmm. I was watching it with my other half and she said, oh, you know, kids aren't going to get any of these references. And I said, well, I got the references. She went, yeah, but you weren't a normal kid. <laughs> oh, fuck you. But well, you'd hope uh, they yeah, get they... the Dirty Harry reference. Everyone knows oh, that. Like a nine-year-old? Why is a nine-year-old getting a Dirty Harry reference? I don't know, Smith. We're so old. Uh-huh. I know. <laughs> it's all bloody TikTok now. Baby shark. That's probably old as well. Uh-huh. Oh, I don't know anymore. Um, Did you hate anything so... about it back then in 1994? Or was it just, oh, Jim no, Carrey is funny. This no. is great. No, I quite liked the plot back in 1994. What there was, I enjoyed the crime elements because it had a bit of violence to it. So it had a bit of edge and a bit of grit, which, you know, when you're, you know, nine, ten-year-old boys, kind of what you're after, right? Um, yeah, I just, I just thought I, I enjoyed all of it. Then I don't think there was anything I disliked about it when I was young. Yeah, yeah, same. I loved it. I, like I said, I think it was my birthday. It was like this is one of the best birthday trips ever. Like I loved it. It was like no superhero film I'd ever seen. I thought it was fucking yeah. funny. I loved the the comedy part of it as well as it being a crime movie, like you said, and the superhero aspect. I just thought, it, I thought special effects were amazing. I still think they hold up now. You know, it's just they, no, they really do, and that is one thing I definitely thought for the most part. It's the odd one that's a bit ropey, but not many. It yeah. looks great. Like it really does look very good. And there are films that came after it that don't hold up. No, no, their special effects look terrible. But this, this yeah. holds the test. I think the only time it looked a bit shit, you know, that bit when he falls out the window, I was like, look, my roll kill. Yeah. The CGI looked a bit shit then. But other than it's that, there, but yeah, yeah, it's all fine. Yeah, cool. So, what do we love or hate about it now? <laughs> well. Jim Carrey parody has damaged this film a lot. Yeah, it really has. Like that, somebody stopped me. P-A-R-T-Y, smoking. Blah, 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 blah. Heard it a million times. Heard a million people parody it a million times, and it's not funny anymore. What well, you know, it's not funny even in its original form. There's stuff that's been parodied that you can go back to and look at it. And go, that's still quite funny. But it, it, his mugging is annoying. His winking is annoying. It's almost like early Jim Carrey has been slightly tainted for me by later Jim Carrey because he's become such an unrepentant bellend and he's got older that you just think, were you always a bellend? <laughs> I don't think so. Like, he's amazing in The Truman Show and Eternal Sunshine and he's even good in Kick-Ass too. So no, I don't think he's always been a bellend. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but I don't like the mugging. I don't think the comedy's funny. There's no plot. And the plot that is there feels shoehorned in because they needed to have a plot. It's exceptionally leery and exceptionally rapey. Um, and I don't think it really earns its lessons either. Like, oh, you know, nice guys don't finish last. Well, no, that's not the right fucking message here at all. <laughs> mm. I'm entirely sure what you're getting at. Um, it would be interesting to see a version of The Mask done now in response to the superhero films. I have a feeling it'd be closer to Deadpool and those type of films. It'd, it'd have to be. Whole. You have to break the full four with the character like the mask. You know, I think you would, yeah. yeah. I think you would. I think you would, but I think it would be grittier. I think it'd be slightly darker. I mean it's not absence of grit in and of it. It's it's mm. it's it, it, it's just very nothingy in its plot. And not very funny in its comedy. I mean, I laughed out loud three times, which is not enough it's for a comedy. Something. It's not like you just sat there going, this is not funny at all. But yeah. 
No, 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 no. I didn't sit there and this is not funny at all, but it feels very, 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 very 90s. Like, it feels very, very of its time. Um, I mean, still, I mean, I will give it something. Like, I will give it something. The, the female characters in it are used as sort of objects for the lead men to leer at, but they are aware of it. Yeah. Both Cameron Diaz and Amy Asbeck's character use the men to get what they want. Yeah, totally. Um, so it's not it's not irredeemable in that respect is that they're not you know they're not shown to be stupid and helpless because they're not stupid and helpless and anytime they use their sexuality they do it in a way that benefits them ultimately you know even you know Cameron Diaz convincing him to take off the mask so she can kiss him right it's using that to yeah foil. yeah yeah so it's it's you know it's got those moments um, I just found the bits with the mask just oh grating. And nothing else there worth sticking around for. Okay. Yeah. And I said this earlier. I wanted more of the mask, right? Because right. even when even when Dorian becomes <laughs> the mask, he's, he he becomes it briefly in in the newspaper bit, and he becomes it at the end. I wanted to see him maybe go out and frame Stanley by doing shit. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted to see Stanley cause more havoc as the mask because he doesn't really. But that I, first night he does, and the second night he just goes to the Coco Bongo Club. That's but it. I think this is I think this is the problem, right? I think there's 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 two issues here. One is the limitations of the technology. So yeah, yeah. the technology holds up and it looks really good, but there's only so much that you can do before it becomes expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's the limitation of adapting a story that you can't properly adapt mm-hmm. because it is not going to be what it's intended to be. So the original intention, I think reading some stuff uh interviews with chuck russell and various people is that it was going to be borderline horror when yeah. it started it was it was going to be a mix of you know freddy krueger and um uh the joker and dr oh, okay. jekyll i mean those elements are all there right you can still see them uh, there's got the wise cracking of freddy it's got the duality of dr jekyll and mr hyde it's got the joker it's all there but they wanted it to be more like the comics more violent and more almost horror inflected that the mask would almost become the next Freddy Krueger, this big new line property that they could churn mm. sequels of dubious quality out of. Um, they only ever managed to make one sequel to this film and it's fucking terrible. They've never managed another one. I say we're not um, talking about that, Smith. I don't know if they ever would. I don't know, maybe they should. Um, yeah, they should revisit. give it another go. Revisit, re- readapt, make it less out-and-out comedy. But um, I think it's compromised from the out in that regard and that makes it harder to have too much of the mask because mm-hmm. beyond what he does which is silly shit what else can he do true did you like the cartoon though because in the cartoon there was more him saving the day foiling gangsters at all i don't think i ever watched it because i had network and i loved uh, it i don't think i ever watched it and if i did it's completely escaped my memory yeah i really enjoyed it. not like the beetlejuice cartoon which i have very fond memories of oh, i have no memories of that i think i might have watched an episode here or there that can't take Apart from the agents, fact yeah. that Winona Ryder's character and Beetlejuice are friends in this, even though he tried to marry her in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Us. Anyway, yeah. shall we move on to Smith trivia? What you got for us? Uh, so we had a bit of it already. Um, the stuff around the deleted scenes and all those little extra aspects of the film. I would say uh, that it was the... So Jim Carrey had a very, very good 1994. There were three films released in 1994 starring Jim Carrey and they were Ace Ventura, The Mask and Dumb and Dumber. This was the most successful of those three. It had a budget of between 18 and 23 million and grossed 351. Until The Joker with Joaquin Phoenix was released, it was the highest or the most profitable comic book film until that point. Crazy. And at the time it was released, it was the second biggest behind Batman. I mean, this is what I mean. Like, it'd be good to see it 
a version of it now because this was just responding to Batman and maybe Superman. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see a version of this that responds to the MCU that kind of goes like this: is what the MCU is doing, we're going to do our version of the mask and see you know, how we can parody all of the stuff that's gone in a way that actually feels satisfying. Um, so yeah, this was the this was the this was the, the the biggest of the three films he released that year. I'd argue probably the second best. Dumb and Dumber is still great. Right, that, that really, I love Dumb and Dumber. Still a great film. Um, Chuck Russell, the director, as you said, mentioned uh, Dream Warriors in the Blob and Eraser in the Scorpion King. Eraser, that was the other one I couldn't think of. Yeah. Eraser is a very forgettable Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah, film. But yeah. you look at like Dream Warriors, the Blob, Eraser, the Scorpion King. Now, Eraser, the Mask, and Scorpion King were all number one when they released at the box office, mm-hmm. and like big hits. And then after Scorpion King, he did nothing for fourteen years. Yeah, crazy. Before returning with some director video stuff starring John Travolta. Um, originally, can for the role of the mask was Rick Moranis, Martin Short and Robin Williams were the first three and I could see all three of those maybe not Rick Moranis but I could see Martin Short and Robin Williams certainly I mean yeah, this yeah. is very, very similar to the work that Robin Williams was doing as the genie in Aladdin mm-hmm. um, it's a very similar character and the other two people that were named potentially for the mask were Nicolas Cage and Matthew Broderick <laughs> neither of whom neither of whom I see in that role at all but- Maybe right. Nicolas Cage now, like some sort of self parodying thing. I don't know. Like if you look at Vampire's Kiss, he was still doing it then, but yeah. it's, it's not the right kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But the, the, the guy who wrote The Masks, and I, I, actually, no, no, I'll come back to that. Anna Nicole Smith was originally considered for the Cameron Diaz role. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a bunch of other people as well, but she was the most interesting one. She, they didn't, the only reason she didn't do it, she went off to do Naked Gun 33 and a third. Um, and the role that she would have played would have been very different. So the original role was that she turned out to have been a villain, but when they cast uh, Cameron Diaz, they rewrote the part. So it turns out she wasn't, a, you know, a nice girl, a bad girl pretending to be nice. She was just a nice girl, and they kind of changed the whole thing. So I don't know how they would have ended it, and whether or not the reporter character probably wouldn't have had that third act heel turn if they'd carried through the Cameron Diaz character all the way through to the end as a villain. Mm-hmm. Um, the writer wrote Face Off. So the writer, so I was looking at the writer, Mike Werber, he wrote The Mask and he wrote Face Off and a few other little bits and bobs, but then nothing. Like, it's very strange. He wrote a version of Stretch Armstrong for John Woo that never got made. Wow. Which I've never read anything about, and I'd like to go away and read stuff about that because I like reading about those kind of those films that were never made. Yeah. And like this, that's one that I've never heard of until I was doing my research for this. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that is. What a John Woo Stretch Armstrong film look like? Doves. Um, <laughs> lots and lots of dubs. Um, so the only other little bits I mean, we talked about the um, about the, uh, the, the the deleted scenes. The only other bit is that um, the makeup for Jim Cameron was masked at four hours mm-hmm. to apply, and that the teeth he wore were originally not supposed to be there when he talked. They're only meant for static shots and were not designed to be talked in. But he taught himself how to, so they could keep the look up constantly throughout his performance. But you know, it's, it's admirable. It's that very is. admirable. Yeah. Um, that's all of the real trivia, extra trivia I've got. I don't know if you've got any other little bits and bobs around that. No, I think I said it earlier, but he did most of his own stunts, like all of the dance yep. stuff. When Cuban Pete, when he's doing that rumba dance with Cameron yeah, it's him singing. Is, yeah, that's madness. So yeah, very very impressive. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, those yeah, I think it's before he was a big star, right? So he's probably gonna do more of the stuff and be able to be pressured into doing more of that stuff. I think the minute he became a big star, he ain't gonna be doing any of that shit. No, hell no. Cool. All right. No, I don't think I had anything further to add to your trivia. So, yeah, the final verdict, Smith. Does it hold up? Oh, fuck. I don't know. <laughs> no. No. No, it doesn't. It's not funny. It's not funny and it's not good. 
I disagree. I disagree. Yes, I knew you were going to. I didn't ask. I I walked. I went to watch it, like, okay, open mind, it might be crap. I was like, no, it's just as wicked as I remembered it. It just, it was funny. And I wasn't bored watching it. I was thoroughly entertained. And, yeah, I, see, it... I was bored. I was bored. Really? I, point, I thought, it's... so when we first looked at the back of the DVD copy, the back of the DVD I've got says runtime. And we didn't, we watched it quite late last night. Mm. I watched it about half nine. But the runtime on the back of the DVD says um, one hour, uh, 137 minutes. Yeah. And I was like, eh, yeah, so does mine. Yeah, but it's not 137 than that. It's about 147, it's isn't it? It's an hour 47, which is 107 minutes. 137 minutes is two hours and 17 minutes. Hmm. It is not two hours and 17 minutes long. No, it's but not. But it I felt like it at points. Oh, no, for me, I thought it was the pacing's well. It, it's short, sharp to the point. And yeah, but this is kind of my annoyance with it. I wanted it to be longer because I wanted to have more scenes with Mask and Evil Mask and stuff like that. So... There you go. All right. So you don't think it holds up, but I think it does hold up. No, it makes me worried about watching Ace Ventura again because I love that film so much when I was a kid. I mean, it's got its troubling things, but... Yeah, but there's one don't... scene in particular. It's like that alone makes that movie not hold up. So... Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, but I just think the rest of it is going to be really annoying as well. Yeah, but again, this is what I was saying earlier on. Because when he's Stanley Ipkiss, he's not annoying. He's quite like, oh, okay, poor bastard, whatever. But when he's the mask, he's fucking annoying. I was like, yeah, because he's an annoying superhero. Um... Ace Ventura yeah, is a pain in the arse throughout the entire film. Yeah, but I, th- I think the problem with the mask being annoying is that it's it's grating, and you get the sense the reason he was cast is because of his type of comedy, which is that mugging mm-hmm. sort of bandy like, But that is in and of itself annoying. It's not funny. It's funny for a nine-year-old. It's not funny for a thirty-nine. <laughs> Old, it's like for a 39 year old, it's like it's like having an annoying child in the room. And you're like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, it's it's you just want to like slap him, tell him to sit down and stop showing off. Um, yes, we can do a Clint Eastwood impression. Well done, you sit down. Hmm. All right, well, Spiff doesn't think it holds up. I no, do. I'm I do. It wasn't even borderline for me, so I was like, yeah, holds up, it's fun. I think. This and Tango and Cash are the ones I've had the most fun rewatching. I was like, yeah. So it was borderline for me just a little bit because it's not offensively bad. And it feels, it's, it's, it, those, these 90s films we watch have that little feeling about them sometimes, which have, they feel like they're made on real, they shot on real film. They feel a bit earthy. They feel lived in. It's, it's kind of got that nostalgia hit to it. Um, but a lot of them just feel like they're missing something. I don't know yeah. what it is. Right. But fair enough. Anyway, anyway. So we now come to next episode's nomination. Oh, which is... what are you going to do to me? Yes, indeed, it is my turn. So, what if I was to say to you, Smith, mm. you're driving in your car and you're trying to get to work and it's yeah. between the hours of eight and nine, what would you call that period of the morning? Well, I'd call it rush hour. Correct. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Oh, oh, you're going to make me watch a whole film with Chris Tucker. Why? What did I do? Yeah, just Rush Hour 1, not Rush Hour 2, and not the abysmal Rush Hour 3. So, just Rush Hour 1. So, yeah. All right. That's what we're going to go. Was that on TV the other night? Did you did you see a bit of it and think, oh, mate, I've got the DVDs? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just thought we haven't done 1998 yet, and we're kind of on a run of like covering 90s stuff. Well, you know what? Let's let's cover Rush Hour. And I had a look oh. at what was in 98, but there was so much good shit that came out in 98. I, was like, I need something borderline, so Rush Hour it was. Oh, I'd rather watch Shanghai Noon. 
Oh, Shanghai Gnome's fun. We can do Shanghai Gnome. Not done the year 2000 Ooh. yet. Put it on the list. Yeah, right. Put it on the All list. Right, put it on the list. Right. Cool. So just a bit of housekeeping before we get out of here. I want to plug our socials. So you can email us on it doesn't hold up podcast at gmail.com. We're on Instagram at doesn't hold up podcast. We are on Twitter or X as it's now known at doesn't hold up pod. We're on YouTube at it doesn't hold up podcast. And we are on Spotify, Apple podcasts and all the good places you listen to podcasts. So remember, do give us a good review on all your podcast platforms. And remember, we welcome all suggestions for things to cover. Cool. So Smith, is there anything further you would like to say on the mask? Yes, uh, I would like to say that I'll see you Saturday night at the Coco Bongo Club. Indeed. And I want all of you to PAT. Why? Because you've got it.